This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by the all-new VideoMic Pro Plus from Rode Microphones, the ultimate on-camera shotgun microphone, and by DaVinci Resolve and the Ursa Mini Pro from Blackmagic Design. Originally designed for Hollywood's elite colorists, DaVinci Resolve has been used on more feature films and TV shows than anything else because it lets you create images that are simply impossible with other tools. The latest release of Resolve now incorporates full, nonlinear editor functionality and fully featured Fairlight audio, integrated directly with color tools to provide a comprehensive and complete pipeline for finishing. Recently introduced and making an impact around the industry for its high-quality and flexible form factor, the Ursa Mini Pro Professional Digital Camera combines incredible image quality with the features of a traditional broadcast camera. Ergonomically designed controls on the side of the camera allow you to adjust most settings by feel and without ever having to take your eyes off the action. Ursa Mini Pro also features built-in ND filters, a status display, and a revolutionary new interchangeable lens mount that lets you change between EF photographic lenses, or PL, B4, and F-mount lenses. Ursa Mini Pro is lightweight and comfortable enough to use all day, has controls that are extremely fast to use, and image quality that's far superior to broadcast cameras costing 10 times more. That's the Ursa Mini Pro Professional Digital Cinema Camera from Blackmagic Design. Hey everybody, this is John Fusco, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. If you haven't noticed the hottest trend in film and TV right now, then you may be living under a rock. Of course, I'm talking about the quote-unquote 80s revival, a movement seemingly spurred by the success of Stranger Things. In reality, however, the 80s revival may just be a sign of a new wave of filmmakers that are coming to fruition in the masses. 80s babies who are looking to rework their past for the big screen are having their moment just at the right time. They have an eager audience of viewers and an even more eager group of producers looking for projects. Many movies of the 80s revival deal with similar things. Think Super 8 or It. You can usually bet that a group of suburban children will encounter some sort of supernatural force, then band together to defeat it. Summer of 84 puts a spin on that trend, while keeping many of the Stand By Me vibes, but also committing to an antagonist that's more grounded in reality. In it, a group of kids begin to suspect that their neighbor is, in fact, a serial killer. And as such, the kids then spend their summer gathering clues and spying on him to prove he's responsible for the death of several other teens in the neighborhood. It is directed by the filmmaking trio that made Turbo Kid, which first started off as a short before being picked up at a festival and greenlit for a feature. I sat down with the directing trio at Sundance and talked how they used the 80s revival to their advantage and struck while the iron was hot. So hey everybody, this is John and I'm here with the three directors of Summer of 84. I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves so that the audience can uh, familiarize themselves with your voices. So starting uh, with you. Yeah, so uh, I'm Anouk here. Hi, I'm Francois Simard. And I'm Johan Carwissel. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and uh, so you guys are here with Summer of 84. Yeah. Um, it's a midnight movie. Uh, Turbo Kid was your previous collaboration, I want to say. Have, have you guys all been working on, did you, did you all work on both features? Uh, yes, we, we've been, the two of us, we've been working together for more than 10 years. Wow. Even when we're doing, just doing shorts, so... Like it's it's something we've always done as a team. And how did you all meet? Um, well, I met Anouk as at her birth. Yeah, we're because brother, she's my sister. Brother and sister. Oh wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> there you go. And how, so then, how did you? Get, you're not related. Um, yeah, but uh, we've been together like we're a couple since uh, wow. 2000. 
Since 2000. Uh, yeah, it's been oh, 18 years. Yeah. We're in 2018. Yeah, or in 99. I don't, yeah. We're an don't, old couple. Yes. So <laughs> we don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much a family affair then. Yeah, yes. family yes. business. Yes. That's very cool. Um, How did you guys all decide to start making movies together? Because uh, we love movies and we wanted to make movies. Like, we decided to make it for fun. Like, we were making short film for our friends for fun and... We decided to start sending them for festival, and we saw that people like them. Actually, the first time uh, is the short film festival that uh, asked us to screen our sh shorts that we just made for fun, and we saw that the public like it, and we just continue because it's our passion. And yes, suddenly <laughs> it become it became pretty I, real. I like yeah, pretty real. <laughs> So what what uh, festival invited you guys to uh, premiere your short? I, I feel like that is that like a a rare occurrence when a festival will ask you to come to them, or because usually it's the other way around. Yeah, I I, th I think it never never happens usually. Uh, yeah, the first like really shitty short that we did in. Like, You're so hard on yourself. <laughs> but what was at the at, at the college, and there was a guy there that um, was searching for shorts, and for was for the Glitch Festival uh, in Montreal, and then at that festival there was another guy for the Spas Festival in Montreal, and then we just uh, did Fantasia and. Yeah. yeah, and eventually there's uh, also a festival in uh, Europe that started contacting us to uh, to send our shorts and. Uh, Wow. <laughs> so then, um, when did you make the leap from short to feature? What was that like for you guys? It's really when we did a TSR Turbo for the contest for ABCs of that. We've been trying to make a feature, but we were trying to make it in French. Mm. And uh, there's no money for genre film in French. It's really hard. Okay. Well, in Quebec. In Quebec, yeah. <laughs> and But now it's changing even in Quebec. Like, there's more and more opening for general film mm -hmm. in any language, but uh, we're going to stick to English, but uh, uh, as soon as we switched to English, doors started to open. So we did tease uh, uh, for Turbo for the ABCs of that contest. We didn't win the contest. We finished first in the public vote, but we didn't win the contest. And Ann Timpson, the producer of ABCs of that wrote to us and said, do you want to turn this into a feature? And we said, of course. <laughs> That's a little yeah. bit better than winning the contest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So wait, did the ABCs of Death, your, your short didn't premiere in that sort of, what was that contest? Was it to get into the anthology yep. film yeah. itself? Okay. They left the letter T for uh, open to the public and the person oh. that would win would go in. Uh, the one that won was T is for Toilet. And which is a fantastic short you can find on the internet, and uh, we're very happy. One well uh, on the anthology, on the, well. anthology. the anthology, it's yeah. on the anthology. Yeah. If you watch a pieces of that, you've watched the short. <laughs> yeah, um, but we've done T is for Turbo, which was, you know, you can still find it somewhere on the internet for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, the, I think the website is still up as well. Like I just received like it's really weird a notification that I've got a comment on, on that website. Oh really? Which never didn't happen since like a couple of years. So I don't or maybe know. it's the Sundance uh, yeah, maybe, rejuvenation. <laughs> so then you guys really like genre? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Can you can you talk about why? That's what we love. I I mean it's that simple, and that's what we grew up with. Like we were fanatic for horror, action, sci-fi, adventure. So I think it's our childhood. Yeah. yeah. We're, every weekend we uh, went to the video store and we rent every horror movie we could uh, grab our hands on mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah yeah 
so yeah, it's a it's really by passion. We love this kind of move, the those kind of movies uh, because it's fun and yeah. We like to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've been exposed to being like the little sister. I've been exposed to genre <laughs> film and horror films since I was like too young to watch them. Oh, okay. so, I, I, I screwed your mind. Like, yeah, yeah, so. I've, I've done a terrible thing to that brain. I, I miss video store. Yeah. Right? Yeah, me like, too. Like waiting like hours going from covers to covers trying to pick the movie you want to watch and not having the movie necessarily available you just have to keep coming back to make to see if it's or there. spend the whole day there waiting for the movie to come yeah. back to, to go to the clerk and go when is it coming back oh it should be tonight okay i'll wait the eight hours yeah it's okay i'll i'll, I'll walk around or like, for can, you, can you put it on hold for me yeah. <laughs> and then you know even the physical sort of uh i think one of the for some reason i feel like genre lends itself to collectors of you know so true of certain and like vinyl or whatever you know uh and there's just something nostalgic about having like a vhs or a dvd and like seeing it there and knowing that you can watch it you know at any time it's their home for you and you can touch it yeah well. you can touch it. <laughs> it's, it exists put it in um so then uh i mean a lot of obvious in like there's a lot of that influenced in summer of 84 a lot of these 80s uh slashers um and i guess other like science fiction even what movies specifically would you say really helped you guys build the framework for this story uh definitely stand by me the burbs a lot mm -hmm. monster squad as well yeah goonies for sure yeah rear window um, yeah rear window yeah so definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. fright yeah. night Oh yeah, and then I would add Super Eight. Yeah, then yeah. for us it's the OG, mm -hmm. like the the first. Uh, it's the first movie that started the eighties um, revival. Yeah, yeah. The 80s revival. Yeah, that's an, that's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and we kind of people don't talk about it as much as they should. The it's 80s a beautiful revival. film. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. Super Eight. Super yeah. Eight. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, because it is it's Ambl it's still Amblin, right? Oh, yeah. it's yeah. total. Yeah, so yeah. that's how J.J. Abrams like really. I mean put himself on the mark in terms of science fiction i think mm -hmm. um well lost whatever but in this sort of vein where it's like now we're seeing stranger things and we're seeing all of these different 80s revival uh you know it follows yeah they're all coming out now it was it, also in the yeah. 80s so how do you i mean how do you distinguish yourselves from all of those other revivals um but for one summer of 84 is very grounded it, it doesn't have any supernatural element mm -hmm. and just from that standpoint, I think we're very different. And even the way we shot it or where we go with the story, mm -hmm. it's it's still very different. It's Yeah, it's our own take. It's very indie. I think uh, Sundance is a perfect fest to uh, premiere uh, that movie. Our kids are much older. They swear. They drink. Right. Uh, they always uh, talk the about girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots um, of the uh, boy patois. Yeah. yeah. But we were... Like that, like it, they're at that weird age where you're not an adult, but you're still a kid, but you want to try to act like an adult. Yeah, you're guessing a lot of the time. Yeah, and, and you, you're you swearing too much. Like you just starting to allow yourself to swear. Mm -hmm. So you don't know how to swear actually. And so you, you say, fuck it. Oh, can I say that? Hey, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. We're all adults here, so it's all good. <laughs> you say like, fuck way too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Very awkward. <laughs> um, so then, I mean, even the, you know, the stand by me, uh, four kids, mm -hmm. one nerd, one kind of fat dude. Uh, are those tropes that you would play with when you were writing? Uh, like, were there anything that you really wanted to like hit 
on from these earlier movies, these 80 movies that you we see in the film? Uh, we we actually didn't write this one. It's the first time we directed oh, okay. something that we haven't written, but we know that the writer really uh, inspired himself with the kids that were actually that he grew up with. Okay. So all these kids were his friends. So really, so yeah. This writer, uh, how did you get hooked up with him? What was that process like? Because it seems like it's a marriage built Perfect, yeah. perfect, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was uh, in LA at the premiere of Turbo Kid at Nextfest. Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, like randomly, we, we were supposed to meet uh, like uh, his boss, but he wasn't there and we met with Matt Leslie and he pitched like this this idea to us he really liked turbo kid and was like it would be perfect for uh, for for us mm -hmm. and when we uh, like read the 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 treatments first we were like oh yeah it's right in our alley uh please uh would love to uh, attach ourselves to the project and yeah we've been working for uh, one year and then in 2016 we saw the first poster of Stranger Things, and we're like, fuck, yeah. they did it first. But yeah. it's so different at the same time, so. Yeah, well, it's an, ours, it's an indie thriller, so uh, we were able to take risk, mm -hmm. which is a great. Yeah, to, to go further with a little bit the idea, and it's really, ours, it's, it's really a coming of age, like the kids will start kids and, and end up forced into adulthood. Yeah. So there's sort of like a long uh, period before you really get into the action of the uh, of the piece. Um, can you explain about like the 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 choices you made to to sort of build these characters before anything really started happening crazy? Um, I, I think it, it was really important that people fall in love with those kids or at least relate or know them mm -hmm. until the switch happened mm -hmm. because otherwise. I think there was the, that switch wouldn't have worked. Like, it, it would have felt like, eh. Mm -hmm. But now, especially with the two screening we had so far, it seemed that switch works really, really well. Like, people are shocked and yeah. surprised. And, yeah. and the audience has been really responding well to the movie, which, like, we make movies for the audience. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, for the fans. The well, yeah, we, we want people to come out of the theater and felt something and be happy. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's like why genre movies are so popular is because I feel like a lot of them are made for the fans, you know, mm. and you're watching them because they're, they're things that you grew up with and you want to see again. Um, and that, that goes back to this sort of uh, stranger things, uh, nostalgia that we keep coming across. Um, what do you think makes a, a sort of revi the 80s revival successful or a, a picture that's dealing with those 80s revival themes successful? It's just, I, th I think the film we grew up with, like we said, Stand By Me. I, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe directors now <laughs> has been born during that era. So they, they were influenced by the film they watch as kids. So I think we're tapping all that this, a little bit in the same well right now mm -hmm. because... I don't know. It's what you know. It's yeah, like exactly. You're, you're yeah. And I think it. what's important as well is that that your subject matters really uh, needs to be set in the eighties. If mm. you just like add, like put any story that and just set it in the eighties just for the because it's cool. Yeah. Then it's not. It might not work as good as if like there's a purpose for your story to be in the eighties. Right. That's a good point. It's not as real. Yeah. And speaking of Stranger Things. Uh, 
at the end, we're very grateful that uh, it's a very it's very successful, obviously, because we know now that that there's a public for that kind of of movies True. of nostalgia, and we got the green light. Yeah, like, yeah, instantly after uh, the success <laughs> of Stranger Things. So hey, and that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I hear of a lot of you know director duos. But how is it working in a director trio? I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed a trio oh, of directors. That questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've we've been doing it for more than ten years now, like directing the trio of us together. So I think it's become second nature. We have like that weird hive mind yeah. that we have, we share just one brain, right? One functional brain. Is there any like del- like deliberation of duties in terms of like? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, when we're Actually, we write as well together, and when we write, that's when we all like sit together, bring our brainstorm, and then that's where we really argue. <laughs> so <laughs> behind closed door, behind closed door, so that's that thing is set. And when we're uh, directing, so we we spend like uh, very careful time prepping so that we're um, we know where we're going, we know our vision, we know everything that needs to be uh, to be set. Um, and then when we're on set, we just we know what we're doing mm-hmm. and all the crew also we find it super important that they know who to come see mm-hmm. so we have uh, each kind of a job so Johan will deal with the actors he has the loudest mouth mo- I talk a lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Francois will be uh, also like he edited all our short films so he will bring our storyboards and mm-hmm. just look closely to it and be with the uh, with our DP as well um, and I'll be uh, dealing with the head of departments and also uh, making sure that our vision is really like we follow we, we're really going into the right direction and she's the brain of the operation she she is <laughs> she's the mother brain oh yeah <laughs> she's the, the the queen bee so how do you guys i, I mean uh, having i've directed one thing and i worried so much I, I was considering a co-director at one point but i worried so much that like it would be too confused on set for like the crew uh in terms of like who they would come to and who uh would i don't know who was really in charge of the set how do you guys maintain that equilibrium of like we're all in charge uh we we made it very clear what each of one of us job is on the set right from the get-go and we come very very prepared everything is storyboard um and during prep we really prepare every little aspect and what's great when something unusual or comes like a problem or anything happen we're so used the three of us like we huddle up and what's great we speak french mm-hmm. like we're french canadian <laughs> so we all up for like five minutes speaking french in between us we find a solution so that that way nobody like panics or anything so we speak French. That's great. Yeah. We come up with a plan and then we express a plan very clearly to everyone that needs to hear it. Do you have uh, certain members of your crew that you bring along with you from, from uh, project to project in that sense? Then? Our, uh, we have the same DOP on great. every project. He's also the, the person that scores the film. Like oh, wow. Him and his uh, partner in this band, uh, Le Matos, scored all of most of our shorts and all of both of our feature but having our DOP also scored a movie what's is great is that he's there from the beginning of the shoot and even when we're on set we are able to have conversation while shooting it like during lunch then we sit down and like you know when we shot that you know that type of song we could put in yeah, there and yeah, like yeah. you start already having that conversation he's really the fourth 
member of the band. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, music, uh, it, you know, in scoring, it seems like it would really help to have that person on set so they just get the vibe immediately. Yes. Know? That's really cool. I, and ter- so he was the composer for Turbo Kid, too, yes. right? And that had a pretty successful soundtrack. It's crazy. They went on tour so much. It's just on the soundtrack of Turbo Kid. And I don't know many, how many reprints they are at now with the vinyl. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. crazy. It, it keeps selling out. Yeah, and they won prizes as well in festivals. And the all-new VideoMic Pro Plus from Rode Microphones is jam-packed with useful features for shooters on the go. The automatic power function is perfect for the run-and-gun shooter, automatically turning the microphone off when unplugged from the camera. The mic's built-in battery door makes replacing the battery a breeze, plus it won't get lost. It has multiple power options, including the all-new and Rode LB1 lithium-ion rechargeable battery, two AA batteries, or powering continuously via micro USB. The VideoMic Pro Plus also offers digital switching, which ensures that you have ultimate capture of the audio signal at the source, reducing post-production and editing times. Finally, the high-frequency boost will boost high frequencies, enhancing detail and clarity in the recording. And a safety channel helps ensure that the signal does not clip when unexpected spikes occur. That's the all-new VideoMic Pro Plus from Rode Microphones. So then, I guess with this film, uh where do you hope it will i guess like land in the scope of the genre midnight world because it's not necessarily like a straight horror film you know no it's it's closer to a thriller yeah i'd say but um and with some horror yes like a sparkling yeah of horror <laughs> that's nice <laughs> um i don't know I, I i i we just want as much people possible to see it like that's that's what you want your film to right. to do and we just want people that sees it to love it mm. and if you don't love it don't don't tell us <laughs> we were we're fragile well we, we already know that peop, some people will love it some people will hate hate it but nobody will uh be, be indifferent, indifferent. Yeah, so that's exactly. for sure i think that's the i think that's a really big point with all midnight movies is that they're like very divisive yeah um, yeah and uh, of course we already know we'll be compared to Stranger Things, mm-hmm. it, uh, and it's kind of good. It's, people will talk about it. So the timing is is great. But what we are more nervous is uh, because we did a movie so over the top with Turbo Kid, uh, people will expect something crazy yeah. with tons of gore and blood, and it's really not that. It's a very different It's thing. very different. It's more serious. It's more grounded. And yeah, we don't know how our fan will react to it, but... Hey, we love to. But so far, like yeah. we had two screening and everybody loved it. So so far, so good. Knock on wood, like we say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, hopefully it goes, it continues go, go, going like this. That people continue enjoying the film. Your child actors, they have to be so. I, mean, I guess a child isn't really your teenage actors. Are it's such an instrument, instrumental part of the film. How did you like foster a sense of uh, like chemistry between them to the point where they all were like these four best friends? Did they know each other before? Was it like, a, or is that something that you had to? Uh, no, yeah, we uh, they all came from a different. They didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we did is uh, that we started filming with the scene in the. Treehouse. Mm-hmm. So it's a really close set and they spend a lot of time together. And so it was very, for them, very, um, uh, how to say it, like, um, 
I don't know, but it, it was an intense moment that they, they were, and they, they all bonded. Mm -hmm. And they started like going out together and they became friend, friends for real after yeah. that. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what... That's what our that's what was our goal with the starting with that like just and we try to make it fun on set mm -hmm. like to do so that they are having fun doing it until we get to the scary part yeah. then we need to change <laughs> yeah. a little bit the emotions but uh, we make it very very fun and I I think we were the cool uncle and aunt yeah. on 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 set so how did and you had a good time what would you do to make it fun I just uh, wondering what, well, what were some of the strategies just one example sometime because of time because lower budget right. shooting we had time for only two takes wow but we would slip in a third take where would we would let them do whatever they want yeah for that take just for fun just to get them involved like ad lib yes yeah. just have fun and they've done crazy thing those kids had so much silly and crazy thing and you know it makes them involve and Sometimes you find great things yeah. in those ad libs, and we use some of them in the edit. I was gonna ask how many of those moments do we see, like on oh, film? Uh, quite a lot. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, great guys. I mean, I'm gonna end the uh, the conversation with uh, a question that I like to ask all directors that I'm talking to, and that's what advice can you give aspiring filmmakers based on your own experience? Like your best piece of advice, your golden nugget. It's an advice that uh, Michael Ironside told us uh, after T Turbo Kid is to have multiple projects. Don't put all your eggs in the same basket. Every movie is a miracle. It's really hard to, green, to get greenlit. So I have multiple projects, I have multiple things. And the best problem in the world, it's saying to another project, I'm sorry I'm doing this right now, but I'll come back to you afterwards. That's the most beautiful problem you can have. Yeah, I would admit it's, it's more of a, a tips for when you have a short or a feature that it's, that it's successful, When you're there, uh, you need to do a movie as soon as possible because if you wait too long, then the buzz uh, will fade away and another one will have the spotlight. So uh, keep working. Don't do the, the, the first one that comes into your way, but uh, if you're passionate about the story, then yeah, yeah for jump sure. Jump on it. Then I guess just to follow up before we get to you, what, what a... When you had that short, when you had T, T is for Turbo, did you have Turbo Kid in your back pocket at that point? Or was that something that you just kind of did very quickly? To we had to write it like in the, how many times? Three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. And Three we weeks? Had, we had full job, a uh, full-time job as well. It was insane. It was an insane moment, but we... Uh, how we had how did you manage to do that? I oh. don't even know. Like, well, I we think, don't know because we didn't sleep. Like, yeah, it's that's just it. a blur. <laughs> but we had to... Uh, We had to, to get stop playing Gears of War. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, we had to uh, meet a deadline for the Frontier Market, Fantasia Film Market. So we just uh, did it. And we got into the market. Like, uh, And once we found our kidneys and partners that liked the script and everything, then we took our time writing a second version yeah. cool. for production. Yeah. No, we didn't go to production with that three weeks. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that's, good. that's good to learn too. It's just like, you know, get something that can be read. Yes. And then refine it later oh yeah because and even if it's a treatment for 15 pages just have something that can be read mm. and have a, um, a really strong lookbook mm. that visual for for um, producers is it's it's great they can picture exactly what you have in your mind right there cool So then wrapping up, what's your last, what's your last piece of advice for oh, filmmakers? Oh, I would say if it's your passion, just uh, be confident and just do it. Awesome. Yeah, you need to love it. Yeah. 
because、uh, if you, you do this for their money, there's plenty of other jobs. <laughs>、oh, that、yeah. is way more. So you'll、um, make way more money. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys still have your full time jobs, or are you? No, luckily. <laughs> no, luckily, <laughs> but we're not living large because、no. we don't have our full time jobs. But、yep. like, don't do it for the money. Do it because you love it. Yeah. Because. There's just few people that really make a ton of money、yeah. doing this. So just have fun doing it. It needs to be your passion. It needs to be. There's nothing else that will fill your life like this. Yeah, and it seems like you guys are having a lot of fun.、So. Yes, oh yeah, <laughs> that's the most fulfilling part. <laughs> well, great guys, thanks for sitting down to us for、uh, with us today. <laughs> Getting close to the end, and、uh, everyone should be sure to check out Summer of '84. I hope you guys、uh, land a distributor soon. Oh, thank you. We, we hope as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast on any podcast platform you're using. I'm John Fusco. You can follow me at Jim underscore John underscore Jim on Twitter, and be sure and tune in for Indie Film Weekly this Thursday. Thanks.